BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Michael Krasny. Supported by President Trump, Texas petitioned the Supreme Court to overturn election results in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, alleging that they suffered from unconstitutional irregularities. But local officials from both parties have concluded that there has been no fraud. We'll hear about the suit and the California legislators supporting it. Then at 9.30, the Federal Trade Commission and 46 states sued Facebook this week, accusing the social media company of illegally wielding its monopoly power and harming consumers. We'll talk to The Washington Post senior tech policy reporter Tony Rahm about what's at stake. That's all next after this news. Welcome to this morning's forum. I'm Michael Krasny. President Donald Trump's lawsuits to contest the election results riddled with errors and bogus claims have consistently failed in the courts. Even so, more than 100 House Republicans on Thursday signed an amicus brief in support of a lawsuit by Texas Attorney General seeking to overturn the results in four swing states. Joining us to talk about the dangers of Trump's efforts, including threats against election officials by his supporters, is New York Times columnist Michelle Goldberg. And welcome, Michelle Goldberg. Good to have you with us. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, I guess the place to begin here is we're in whole new territory here. For quite some time, there was talk about the president's right and this administration's right to challenge what might be fraud, and they've been turned down at every corner in terms of the lawsuit. So now we have Ken Paxton, Attorney General of Texas, uh, well, who is under federal investigation himself and uh, facing legal problems that he may want a pardon for, along with 17 other attorney gen- attorneys general. These are the highest legal officers in 17 states saying, uh, let's throw out 10 million votes. We're really in new territory here, or are we just in a publicity stunt? I think it doesn't matter if it's just a publicity stunt. If you know, if the publicity stunt is the majority of Republican state attorney generals saying let's overthrow American democracy, um, you know, it's not that much of a defense to say that they're just going along with it because they don't necessarily think that it will work. Um, they're certainly they're both convincing millions and millions of Americans that there is a legitimate case here. And also that, you know, both that the election is stolen and that an election result that they don't like should be set aside. And in some ways, it's just the natural outgrowth of language that you've heard 
from the Republican Party preceding Trump, but I think that got worse and worse with Trump about kind of, quote unquote, real Americans and who constitutes, you know, the people, you know, so if you are the people, then of course, your votes are the ones that that count and you should have the right to um, to elect your president and anybody who opposes you is illegitimate. And I think that, you know, we've been heading towards the delegitimization of the majority of the, of the American public that votes against Republicans for some time. Um, but what we have now is a place where it's really explicit and it's hard to see how you govern a country when you have both a minority party that has, you know, kind of veto power over a great many governing decisions and has given up on the shared project of democratic constitutional governance. Yeah, I think that's all really well said. We also have the alarming sense of only 27 members of the Republican Party in both houses of Congress uh, saying that the Biden election is a legitimate election. I wonder also if we can see this in terms of the a certain kind of gamesmanship here. The president has often been uh, described as someone who operates in a transactional universe. He appointed three people to the Supreme Court. We think about Bush v. Gore, and maybe he feels he can actually pull this one out of the fire and get the Supreme Court behind him. I mean, I think that that may well be the case um, in reading reporting on the president. It seems like the people that he's talking to are telling him that this is a possibility. Um, you know, and I've I recently read um, the great New York magazine, mag, excuse me, the great New York magazine reporter Olivia Newsy wrote that, you know, he's sort of only listening at this point to people who are making it seem like this is a live option, um, you know, but I think with this president, it's always hard to tell the difference between what he really believes and what is just a bluff or a con. I'm not sure that there's a bright line between those two things in his own mind. Um, this is how he's responded both to every election that he's lost. Um, you know, this is how he responded when he lost the Iowa primary uh, or the Iowa caucuses in 2016. And it's also how he's responded to elections when he won, but when he lost the popular vote and he insisted there was fraud, right? So he told us he was going to do this. Um, it's been obvious that that he was going to do this. It's not surprising that he's going to do this. And it's maybe not surprising that most Republicans are going along with it or that so many Republicans are going along with it. But it's still shocking and it's still frightening, right? Just because the coup attempt is likely to fail, just because it's in some ways ludicrous, doesn't make the fact that, you know, such a large percentage of Republican elected officials are kind of pro-coup any less um, frightening. Now, you use the word coup, and uh, we should mention Zainab uh, Tefeki, who's a Turk writer, uh, had an article in The Atlantic all about whether or not this is a coup, and he compared it to Turkey and said, yes, it is a coup. But I think uh, also in The Atlantic, David Graham and you in your columns uh, have used the word autogulp, which may be more mm -hmm. accurate. It's, it's an attempt at a kind of auto coup here, isn't it? Right, which is basically a coup when you're already in power and you then, you know, kind of subvert constitutional mechanisms to be removed from power, right? So you're, you know, elected or sort of legitimately installed in power and then you use illegitimate means to stay in power. And yes, that's obviously what Donald Trump is attempting. And 
again, I don't think it's going to work. And I think Democrats have been in a difficult place because they don't want to give credence to the idea that this is a live possibility by overreacting to it. Um, and yet at the same time, by sort of, you know, just kind of laughing at it or laughing it off or not reacting with, you know, real outrage. I think it's, there, there's just no pushback, right? There's no, there's no calling of the bluffs of these members of Congress, of these state AGs, who are really committing very serious transgressions against democracy, right? Some people have suggested that Nancy Pelosi should refuse to seat the members of Congress who are saying that the elections in their states are illegitimate. Um, I wish that they were considering that. I wish that they were considering some sort of escalation. You know, I wish that there was, you know, kind of bigger moves to have some of the lawyers involved um, disbarred for bringing, you know, kind of cases full of blatant falsehoods. But there's a lot of the eating up of an undermining of democracy here. I think you've hit uh, on what concerns so many people, but I'm also Well, I think in right in, in other countries when you attempt a coup or an autogolp or you know whatever you want to call this and you fail, there are consequences and absent consequences um there's no reason save fidelity to the republic which obviously they don't have to just kind of constantly push and push and push well you also had an opinion opinion piece that i was quite struck by uh, the headline was what's worse uh, making sarah sanders leave a restaurant or terrorizing election officials this has gone into new territory and in, in that realm as well i mean it's as if civility uh, has simply disappeared or been abolished or annihilated. And we're seeing election officials being threatened. We're seeing uh, people with arms and guns uh, show up at the Secretary of State's house in both Michigan and in Georgia. This is also unprecedented territory, new territory, which is really very alarming. And the the reaction to those two things, you know, to kind of Sarah Sanders having to leave a restaurant and to armed protesters showing up outside of state election officials' houses and screaming obscenities, the, the reaction to those two things has been very different, right? When Sarah Sanders had to leave the Red Hen, it was sort of, there was like weeks of thumb-sucking discussion about it. I mean, after I wrote about it, a TV crew came to my house to interview me about it. It was a big, big story about civility and have the Democrats gone too far? And, you know, Democrats in Congress were asked to answer for this. You know, do you think this is okay? And, because you know, Republicans sort of benefit from you know, you could call it the soft bigotry of no expectations. Nobody expects better of them. And so, and they have really no incentive to rein in their far right flank because our electoral system has really insulated them from electoral consequences. And so, again, there's sort of no check on how far they're willing to go. And that's why I think, you know, these are all symptoms of a deeper crisis of democracy. The, the problem in America right now is minority rule. It's that our, you know, both the kind of underlying structures of our democracy and then some of the ways they've been manipulated through gerrymandering and the like um, mean that Republicans don't need to win majorities to exercise power. And when you don't have to appeal to the majority of the American people, it it, it removes an important kind of democratic check, right? That's how a democracy is supposed to work. It's supposed to, if you if you kind of violate the um, 
deepest values of a majority of your countrymen, they will punish you for it. If they can't punish you for it, um, then again, the whole system starts to crack. Talking, if you've just joined us with Michelle Goldberg and talking about new lawsuits seeking to overturn the results of the election in four swing states. She's a columnist with the New York Times. And by the way, there are three California Republican legislators who signed the amicus brief. We invited them to join us. They did not respond. I'm talking about Representatives Calvert, McClintock, and LaMalfa. But if you would like to join us, I'd like to invite you to do that now. You can give us a call and be part of the program. The number to call, 866-733-6786. That's the toll-free number from wherever or however you're listening to Forum, 866 866- 733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions you may have to forum at kqed.org. Happen to um, see an interview that Lou Dobbs did with Stephen Miller. And um, actually that was an interview, Michelle Goldberg, that one of your competitive opinion writers, uh, Paul Waldman for the Washington Post wrote about. And he said that um, uh, compared to um, uh, Sean Hannity, um, Lou Dobbs was like Edward R. Murrow. I thought that was a very good line, by the way, because uh, Lou Dobbs was yelling and, and fulminating about how necessary it was to protest this uh, stolen election. And he remarked, Waldman remarked about how uh, it, it seemed as if Stephen Miller was kind of placid about this. And the assumption that he came to was that maybe they're just you doing this, the Republicans, as a scam. They've already raised about $200 million in donations. They're paying off a campaign debt. Uh, maybe money's going to a new PAC for 2024. How much do you see that as the lining in this or as part of the calculus even? I think that's definitely part of the calculus. It's obviously part of the calculus with the president, where a lot of this money, you know, as you mentioned, he's kind of raising money for some sort of legal defense fund, but it's really just going into a fund for his post-presidential activities. You know, so obviously, you know, everything the president does, there's an element of it being a con or a scam. The problem is, is that, you know, tens of millions of people in the country don't understand that, right? Tens of millions of people in the country take the president and take the leaders of the Republican Party at their word. Well, we will continue with our guest, Michelle Goldberg, and we're going to take your calls when we return. I also might ought to mention the fact that some have been speculating a lot of hypotheses about this, that the president simply by all means wants to especially avoid that it, the possibility of prosecution from uh, Cy Vance or Letitia Jones in New York courts. Uh, which can go after him even if he gives himself a pardon. We'll hear more and we'll hear from you when we return. I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about new lawsuits seeking to overturn the results of the election in four swing states with Michelle Goldberg, columnist for The New York Times. If you'd like to join the program, we invite you to do so. You can join us at our toll-free number. The number to call is 866-733-6786. If you'd like to weigh in here, again, the number to call 866-733-6786 or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. 
Robert writes, Michelle Goldberg, isn't it time for all Republicans with honor to leave their party, the most extreme mainstream party on earth, which does not believe in democracy as a form of government, but rather has turned into a personality cult? Will you be able to look your grandchildren in the eye? But what about those like um, Gabriel Sterling or Brad Raffensperger in Georgia who were Republican, are Republicans and spoke out rather strongly? So I think that we should be really grateful to, you know, Republican election officials in several different states who did put, you know, sort of fidelity to the Constitution and to their system and to democracy above just kind of blatant partisan um, power interests. You know, at the same time, I'm really str- so and I so I really do admire what people like Sterling are doing. And I don't think we should minimize how difficult that is, right? It's really difficult to break with the people who make up your ideological and professional world. Um, At the same time, I think it's striking that, you know, these are people who they're justly outraged that Donald Trump and his minions are targeting civilians for conspiracy theories, death threats, you know, kind of lies, slanders. At the same time, the if the, the fiery fact that they supported Donald Trump until it started happening to them, um, you know, sort of says something about where the line is, right? There's this famous internet meme, you know, I didn't, I, I never thought the leopard eating face, I never thought the leopard would eat my face, says the woman who voted for the leopard eating faces party. Um, and so I do think that Obviously, it's time for decent Republicans to leave the Republican Party. And I think that with very few exceptions, most of them have. Well, they're eating their own right now. I mean, when you think about Governor Brian Kemp, uh, they're screaming, lock him up at a rally uh, or for that matter, Doug Ducey in Arizona, um, Sidney Powell. And Fox News. I mean, I think that's one of the only one of the only um, darkly satisfying things about this monster that you know, so many cynical Republicans have created is that it's now turning on them, right? I think that Fox News, for example, you know, Murdoch thought that they could, you know, divorce an entire audience from reality, right? Rile them up and close them in a self-contained bubble of lies and that they would be able to keep them there and sort of control its parameters, you know, and what they're finding is that, They've created a monster that they can't control and that will turn on them as soon as, you know, as soon as someone like Donald Trump takes a position that even Fox News or at least even the kind of ostensibly, you know, repertorial parts of Fox News where where they're not willing to follow him. You know, the the base is now turned on Fox News. And so well, forgive me, Michelle, but I think some of this has to do with the changing of the guard and power in Fox News from father to son. But I want to get some callers on and hear what our listeners have to say. And let me go to Judith first. Judith, you're on. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Um, my question is, why are we not hearing anything about the absurd contradiction in efforts to overturn and declare fraudulent votes that voted probably for a Republican Senate in which the Democrats lost 
perhaps 10 houses in Congress and in which the Republicans won most of the state legislature votes, would they invalidate those votes as well? And I, I haven't heard any conversation about that. Yeah, Judith, an important question, and I thank you for it. Michelle, what about all that? I mean, down ballots and so forth that went for the Republicans. Well, look, I think that the Republican Party at this point is impervious to hypocrisy because, you know, hypocrisy sort of... Um, implies that you have a set of values that you are not living up to. And, you know, when your only value is raw power and you sort of glory in having one sort of set of standards for yourself and another set of standards for your enemies, then, you know, hypocrisy is is not a sin or really an operative frame. I do think that the only way to make that contradiction matter politically, um, as I said earlier, would be for Nancy Pelosi to really call their bluff and say, if your election was illegitimate, was fraudulent, you are not going to be seated in this Congress. And we go to another caller. Let me bring Matt on from San Jose. Matt, you're on. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Yes, sir. Go ahead, please. Yes, sir. Go ahead. So given how crazy so many of these people from conservative areas have been acting, you know, again, they're with a lot of guns driving around on trucks. Who's going to show up if one of these very well-armed groups starts shooting? Well, that's exactly what was, uh, we mentioned Gabriel Sterling before. He said somebody's going to get killed. And uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Michelle, but we're sort of on the verge of the possibility of uh, something of a civil insurrection here, some think. Um, I don't know if it would go so far as civil insurrection, um, but I certainly think that some sort of violence is, you know, has been predicted and is predictable. Um, it, that's kind of how this works. We've seen again and again, um, not just Donald Trump, but the right in general. Well, excuse me, remember the guy who sent pipe bombs out to Trump critics? Uh, right, and there's a term for this, which is sort of stochastic terrorism, you know, that you um, incite and incite and incite, tell people, you know, someone has to do something and eventually someone does, even if it's someone with no direct connection to you. Um, and I would be surprised if we didn't have at least some of that. You know, some of Donald Trump's followers have always acted on what Donald Trump says. And the fact is, if if his if his followers take him seriously, if they really do believe that the election is being stolen from them by some cabal Hello? of sinister foreign interests, then you know, then it makes sense that they would that they would respond in extreme ways. Yeah. And here's Frank joining us next. Frank, thanks for waiting. You're on. Uh, good morning. And um, Ms. Goldberg, thank you very much for your writing. I, I really like it. Um, I have a question for you in your role. As, hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, hello? Frank. Go ahead, please. Okay, good. I was in a tunnel. Sorry. Um, I agree totally with your diagnosis, doctor, but what's your prognosis? What's your prescription? Um, is it structural reform, uh, given the Supreme Court's recent political gerrymandering decision? That's kind of problematic. Or is it a, a matter for the Democratic Party to go back and reclaim an electorate that, if you really look at it, should have been, should be the Democratic territory? Um, and I, I must say, I, I think the, the debate in the Democratic Party about left versus center is is destructive in that context but what's your what's your call i'm eager to hear it you i think you want know. a prescription here frank or at least a way of uh, sort of recouping from the damage that's been done and 
I think that's very, very difficult, right? If I had one, I would be out, you know, flogging a book about it. Um, and part of what makes it so difficult is that, you know, again, our constitution is increasingly behaving like a sort of boa constrictor around democracy and making democratic reform um, or, you know, making sort of any expression of, of majority will more and more difficult. Um, in the short term, as I've written before, and this may not be very satisfying, the one thing that would pop this bubble that would bring some of this to an end that would impose a price on the Republican Party for what they're doing would be a victory in the Georgia Senate runoffs on January 5th. And so anybody who has any sort of excess energy or resources should be looking in that direction. Um, you know, but kind of long term, the only hope is to, you know, expand the Senate by adding new states to um adopt voting reforms to end gerrymandering. But, you know, it's a sort of um, catch-22 because in order to make the reforms that would let the majority exercise its will, you first have to win under the system that we have. And we've got seconds left here, but I'm curious to get your response to the fact that uh, Attorney General Bill Barr has actually said there was absence of fraud. Uh, nobody expected that from one uh, in such a Roy Cohen role as he has had, uh, sycophantic, some many call it, uh, and and he knew apparently of a couple of probes of Hunter Biden and kept uh, those under wraps. So the Trump people are talking even more now about deep state and uh, they, if they can possibly talk more about that. Well, look, I think it's. I mean, on the one hand, it's just another example of you know I, of the um, revolution eating its own. You know, there's sort of no one, no amount of abasement, no amount of fealty to Trump, um, as Jeff Sessions learned, will keep you safe if, you know, if there's a line which you ultimately decide you won't cross. Um, I think that Bill Barr would have gone all the way if there had been even a little speck um, of evidence of voter fraud for him to pursue. I think the fact that he hasn't been able to find anything is a testament to really how cleanly this election was conducted. Michelle Goldberg, appreciate very much your being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's Michelle Goldberg. She's a columnist with The New York Times. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.